This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Dora County Pulse podcast. My name is Deborah Fitzgerald, editor of The Pulse. And today in the Bailey's Harbor studio, we have Jessica Hatch. Hello, Jessica. Hello, Deb. So Jessica is the Dora County broadband coordinator, and she recently took the position. How long ago was that now? April 11th. Oh my God, time flies. It has. It seemed like the county just got one. Now the county decided to invest in this position when it got American Rescue Plan Act fund dollars. So that's when they decided, you know what, we're going to invest in broadband and getting somebody into a position to help coordinate what's happening across the peninsula so that we can probably, or try, the goal is to connect everybody in Door County with the same level and the same quality of broadband. Is that kind of a synopsis of what is happening with this position? That's a a really good synopsis, actually. The first thing that happened was some of that American Rescue Plan Act funding helped fund an engineering analysis for the county, along with DCEDC, some municipalities, and some private partnership. And the first recommendation from the engineers was to have someone full-time in place. And you're talking about that report that came out last year that did an assessment of the peninsula and then gave recommendations of what the peninsula should be doing or what the municipalities should be doing. And I remember that. It definitely said you need somebody to be overseeing this effort. Otherwise, it's not going to be the same everywhere. And people aren't going to know how to get going. And they're not going to know what another municipality did to get a grant or to get going because municipalities don't, it's not one of their strengths to talk to each other about what's happening. So when you got into the position, tell me what you thought about how to proceed. Like how how were you going to do that? Well, my first initial week was outreach to the municipalities to kind of get in touch and see where they were at, if they had formed a committee, if the board was handling it, and just get conversations going and try to have contacts. And then we knew we needed to have a plan for them and how to tackle this work and address it. So we really jumped in getting our county committee together and having conversations on what is the best plan of attack, how to handle this work, and really make it easy for them and approachable for them. Mm -hmm. So I started doing some research to see what I could find in materials. And Fiber Broadband Association has a lot of really great materials, and they do have a playbook that they had been putting together also. So it was great to... um, model some of our municipal guidebook after that. Okay. And then we did have best practices that Bailey's Harbor had done in place from their technology committee and what they had worked through with their partnership with Ensight and the grant application. So we kind of took materials from them, from the playbook and other things that we were seeing modeled under, you know, suggestions from the Wisconsin Public Service Commission broadband office, other broadband offices across the country, and compiled that information for them, first of all, and determined really what can we do to help? Okay. So it was first meeting with all the municipalities, finding out where they were, and then getting for them a playbook. This is how you proceed, like step one, step two, step three. What I've heard from a lot of people is that it's it's so tech-y <laughs> that it's kind of difficult to, like you almost have to bring it down to the most basic level for some communities. Are you able to do that? And do you do that? Like, do you have a, is that what this playbook is? Is it written for everybody? Or how does that work? That's what we wanted to do was to write it for everyone and try to make it approachable. It is very techy. It is a lot to absorb and take in. But really, that 
engineering assessment report from Finley goes into a lot of that information as well. So they have that engineering breakdown that really helps with that. And then we tried to take it to a simpler level in the guidebook as well. I'm available for questions always. And there are some times when the answer is, you're going into the weeds Mm -hmm. and you need to come out of the weeds. Yes. Okay. So, you know, depending on who's on that committee and what their background is and what they really want to get into or understand themselves, sometimes it's easier for them to work through. And sometimes really the answer is you're kind of focusing in the wrong area. Go back to the basics here because really that is the provider's job. Oh, Okay. They're going to sit down and they're going to explain to you, this is how our network works. This is our architecture. This is what we're going to have in place. And each ISP is going to be similar and different at the same time, but ultimately fiber is fiber. Mm -hmm. So that is what the engineers determined that we need in this area to tackle all the challenges we have. And really there is an RFP that is being written and utilized that will be sent out by Sebastopol pretty soon. And all of our committees have a very open sharing work progress. Okay. So I can share, you know, your RFI from Jacksonport to anyone. I can share that RFP once Sebastopol has it done with any other committees and The committee chairs are talking to each other. The committees are talking to each other. So really, it's just been amazing, the open communication that started Mm. to happen between some of the municipalities. Excellent. And it does make it easier. So, you know, I get emails. I get phone calls. I sit in on those meetings. And sometimes my answer is come out of the weeds. Mm. Okay. So then an RFP, an RFI, that's a request for proposal, a request for information. And that is of... They're sending that to ISPs or internet service providers, correct? Correct. Yeah. Your RFI would be kind of your first round and then your RFP would be second to really get a lot more detailed information. Okay. So tell me what you found. Let's go back in time a little bit, but tell me what you found in the range of preparedness among the different communities. Well, everyone's definitely at a different pace. I mean, you know, Washington Island really led this when they replaced their submarine cable and Bailey's Harbor was shortly behind them. There are municipalities that have had technology committees in place for a very long time mm. uh, that have been doing work even through fixed wireless work. Really? Like who? Like which Liberty is- Grove has. Okay. Um, Neswapi has. Okay. Washington Island with their own under the Washington Island Electric Co-op has. Okay. So that's yeah. good uh, yeah. to know. All right. So they kind of had a head start from everyone because they already had some grants and work that had been in place. Jacksonport had done some work under fixed wireless and grant applications, and so had Town of Egg Harbor. So they kind of knew and understand the process. It's just a different version. Okay, so when you're talking about fixed wireless, you mean... Door County Broadband? Yeah, so um, point to And you worked, quid pro quo, you worked for Door County Broadband, which made it very attractive, as I understand, for the county to hire you for this position because you know broadband. Correct. I had been there for about five and a half years previously, and I really enjoyed the grant work with the municipalities and the outreach. So you had done that already, and so that was for a different type of internet service, like a different type of... Well, service. Yeah, um, absolutely. But just the same concept. Broadband. Yes. Yes. Okay. So then those municipalities were a little bit more involved with that process. So there were some that, that were at that level. And then did you find any municipalities that just had never even considered getting into this? Yeah, there's quite a few because they just kind of thought maybe it's going to be too expensive. It's We don't have enough density. Um, you know, we're too small, we don't have enough businesses, all the things that have come up in those conversations. But some of them have already successfully tackled this. Clay Banks would be a really good example Ah. where, you know, we started conversations when I walked in the office, May, June, and now they have, as a committee, already worked through this. They've chosen an internet service provider to partner with, and they 
are applying for federal NTIA middle mile grants mm. and USDA Reconnect for grants. Okay. So to bring it to its basic level, that playbook that you have, once a, one, a community, a municipality needs to form a committee and then it needs to start down the road of selecting an internet service provider partner so that they can try and get some of the grant money, the the numerous grants that are out there. Is that kind of the process? Yeah, they're going to have an ad hoc committee or the board's going to tackle that work and interview those internet service providers, reach out to them. There is a homework list that I have that helps you go through that work. And then really your request for information and your request for proposal are going to, or for project, excuse me, are going to give you the big answers so that you can kind of narrow that search because whether it's your board giving you instructions to say, you know, this is the network architecture we want or we want to work with a local provider, focus on that, or, you know, make sure that it's going to be for everyone in every business. They're going to give you some direction of what they want to see back. Okay. And then you're going to go through that checklist during your interview process. Okay. And have those interviews and discussions probably once or twice at least mm. with those internet service providers coming in to address your committee or your board and then really making the determination based on that information that you're going to get back of what you're happy with as a municipality and what ticks all the boxes for you. Okay. So now I had assumed, because I'm not one of those techie broadband experts, I had assumed when I uh, moved back here and had to get satellite service because we're not we're not able to get anything else. But I had assumed that there just were no service, internet service providers, no ISPs who were ever interested in coming to Dora County. So this part of it where suddenly there are all of these ISPs that are willing to answer these requests for proposals and partner with municipalities, that was surprising to me. So why do we have these, why, why are they now interested in coming? I think there was definitely a previous interest, just it's so cost productive for them to come into the county. It's it's prohibitive for them to do the work because of our cost per passing here. So there's definitely been and the an cross interest. cross per passing. So those are one of the tech things that, that <laughs> would be like, what, what? So the cross per passing is? Your cost per passing is what the average is going to be for them to build out fiber throughout your entire municipality. We have a very low density here, so homes are not stacked next to each other the way they're going to be in a metropolitan area. So, you know, sometimes your neighbor is right next to you and sometimes your neighbor is two miles away. They're going to look at your roadways and the amount of residents and businesses, and they're just going to do the math on it and say, okay, well, your cost per passing is X, and we're really not interested which is the problem here in Door County. We don't have enough density. So the Finley Engineering Report actually answered that to us where we were able to get that average cost per passing. And the problem in Door County is that our cost per passing is 5,500 to 6,500 per home okay. as an average. Providers really need to see that cost at about 1,500 <gasps> or 2,500. Wow. Yeah. So... We need to bridge the gap on that cost, which is why there is the process of looking at what grants are available and then what the municipal input can be financially on that to lower that cost. Okay. The model for any ISP, they need to see a return on investment within one to three years. They can't look at a 20-year return on investment. They have to keep building out and maintaining that network, which right. is very expensive. So we just have way too expensive a cost per passing within okay. Dora County. And it all has to do with density. We just don't have the population to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, the areas where we have density have been cherry-picked through. So Sturgeon Bay, the city of Sturgeon, Sturgeon Bay, Bay, the village of Egg 
Harbor, the village of Sister Bay. So anywhere where everything is concentrated yeah. for at least a mile or so, I would think. Yeah. And, you know, Charter Spectrum's in those areas and mm-hmm. they've picked up what they want to and and where it's cost effective for them to do that. And going beyond those boundaries is just not cost effective for them to do it. Okay. So that explains that then. If they get these grants and these grants also are, are pretty, I guess, unique in that we have never had this amount of money right, that has been available from federal and state sources to build out these networks? Not for broadband. I mean, there's always been some federal money for broadband, but it's never been this much. Okay. So if they can get these grants, the municipalities, then that helps toward those pass-by costs so that they're able to, well, pretty much fund the architecture of the system. They're going to help offset that cost. Um, The most expensive part of this is the construction. You're going to see that really high cost is going to be the construction and getting that network architecture in place. Mm -hmm. And then really the parts and the network itself is going to be a little more approachable, which the ISP is going to have their matching funds for that, but the construction needs to be covered. So really the grant is going to help cover that and the municipality financing some of it is going to help with that as well. Okay. So then the ISP is not paying for anything under this structure, right? In terms of the bill construction costs. Every ISP is going to have a different matching funds. So what they can afford to put into it. So they're going to put in what they can. I think with Insight, for instance, it's like $200,000 or something like that. I think they're at 400,000. Okay. So, so that kind of thing, like they're contributing some money to the construction of the system. Yeah, and they're going to utilize any infrastructure that they have in place. If they already have infrastructure in place, they're going to be contributing some of that infrastructure as well towards their match, towards the overall cost for everything. Okay. So the service providers that we have been familiar with up here are Insight because they're in the village of Egg Harbor, I believe, and also they have that middle mile cable, and we'll talk about that a little bit. That's one of those techie word things again. And they also are the chosen, you know, ISP for Bailey's Harbor and probably for some other municipalities uh, by now. And then Bertram, which is Door County Broadband, which Bertram purchased Door County Broadband. Some municipalities are partnering with them. I know that Nassawapi just agreed to partner with them for their, for this part, for this phase of the project. So those are two that we know. And then there are the charters and frontiers that are in those cherry picked areas that you talked about. Are there others? There are other internet service providers that have reached out that are interested, but they don't currently really have assets. AT&T would be an option in some areas because they do have that middle mile and long haul in areas. So what do you mean by assets? The middle mile and the long haul. The middle mile and the long haul. So they're going to have fiber assets in place because of having maybe cellular towers in place. AT&T has first net towers in place that have cellular on them also. So they're going to have assets that they have invested in already that are going to connect their other vertical assets, like their tower assets. Okay. So your long haul is going to be kind of that super highway that you don't have any off ramps off of to get off of and your middle mile is going to kind of continue off of that okay. um, to help connect more of those things and then your you know end user to connect the last mile is what we need. Uh, I see. So there are companies that already have fiber in the ground. There are. There's fiber everywhere. You can see it when you're driving around. They have what are referred to as like Q-tips along in the right-of-ways. So they're kind of like a little post that's white and has a little orange tip on the end of it. And then there's, you know, black print on it. So that is to mark where fiber is buried. Okay. So there is a lot of fiber that is here that has been invested for different assets for many of those companies, but that is not fiber that 
they have prepared to, you know, connect to or crack to build out the last mile. Okay. So it's here to support what they have and there's enough bandwidth to support what they need on those things. Okay. So if I am in site, for instance, and I have the middle mile going, say, up 42, and I want to take that up County Road EE in the village of Egg Harbor, then is it compatible? Like, if I'm another company, can I do that? Can I tap into Endsite's fiber? And so if the village of Egg Harbor, for instance, were to go with Bertram, let's say, and Bertram mm-hmm. were doing fiber, can Bertram say, hey, I'm going to connect to your middle mile? Well, there's a lot of fiber providers that utilize and share what's called transport off of each other's networks. So in some instances, you can do that. But the fiber engineers for those companies are going to tell you where you can do it. So it may not be an easy area to access or it may not be as close as you want to. So, you know, they may reach out to each other and say, hey, we'd we'd like to get transport to bury and build out and go into this area and we need, you know, five gigs. Mm -hmm. But that access or transport area may be 10 miles away. Okay. For the closest area for them to actually access it. So it then could be cost prohibitive for that provider to do what they wanted to do. Okay. So it's not always easy and it's not always going to be in a location that really maybe suits that other provider's needs. But there are a lot of areas where they share transport on each other's networks. Okay. And is there a cost for that? Like, does anybody say, no, you absolutely can't do that? I think that just because there are some (laughs) providers that definitely don't want to share transport and aren't open to having other people ride on their networks. Okay. There's always going to be a rent to it. Yes. I mean, it would be in essence, you know, whatever the engineers determine is available and what they can provide on that area. And maybe you want 10 gigs, but they say, well, we can't, we can't, we don't have enough. We can only give you this. And then they can't meet that need. So um, some are open to it and some are not open to it. Okay. So then the municipalities are forming their committees. They're getting these sample RFIs and RFPs that other municipalities have used And they're sending them out to ISPs, which are internet service providers, who are more than willing to give proposals on what it is that they can do to build out each of these municipal systems. And then we have, at the end of that process, the actual build out. So when a service provider is telling the municipality what it can do, there are a couple of different ways that it can build out that system. So they can do it aerially or they can do it underground. Correct. There is a kind of a, I don't know, I would say a debate going on up here (laughs) as to which is better, A, because some of the ISPs say we're doing it this way. Some say we're doing it this way. And so, of course, the municipalities that choose that one way are saying it's the best possible way. But Is there an answer to that question? Is it better to do it aerially, i.e. stringing it along the existing telephone lines or utility poles, or is it better to bury? Well, this is a heated debate nationwide. (laughs) This isn't just a a county debate. It's, It's a nationwide debate and a provider debate. Really, there is so many answers to best practice in every... Every provider, every municipality, and every person is going to kind of have their own feelings on it. So, you know, the biggest issue where we live, obviously, is our topography and the rock that we have to sit on on top of on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And then we have weather system issues here. So there's not a perfect answer to it. In areas like Southern Door, you're going to have a lot more topsoil than you are in certain areas in Northern Door. Sometimes those, you know, ground level engineering will answer that and even other engineering that has happened or construction in any areas that has already pre-existed, you know, from providers that already have infrastructure in place, they have a decent idea 
well, we already have infrastructure here. We went through this area. We know we can bury about 60% of it and the rest is going to have to be aerial 40%. Sometimes it's a hybrid and each provider is going to utilize best practice to kind of determine what they already know or reaching out to engineers that have been in this area to get that answer. And some of them just want to bury it because of maintenance and longevity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not, there's not a perfect answer to it. Um, okay. And it is always going to bring up a lot of feelings. So is it necessary to debate it? I mean, if they both work, right? Yep. If they both work, then isn't it better for the community to just ascertain what their values are? Like, for instance, maybe in the future, they don't want to have aerial poles at all. Like, they don't want to have aerial lines through their village. Then wouldn't they necessarily want to bury it? Yes. Um, So does it really just depend upon them isolating the values that they have for it without solving what seems to be an unsolvable answer of which is better? Yeah, absolutely, which is why each municipality is kind of addressing this differently and having those discussions because, I mean, Village of Egg Harbor just buried or is planning on burying more utilities in the area. They did on Church Street, Mm -hmm. and they have plans next year to do a lot of utility burying. So it just makes sense for them to either have conduit put in place So it's ready and prepared in those areas. Mm -hmm. And then they are going to have to determine what they want to do for those outlying areas outside of that. Do they want to see what the engineers have to say and the ground level engineering has to say? Do they want to just bury it all? I mean, there's obviously a cost difference Mm -hmm. on what you're going to see with aerial versus buried. But you have to look at that 20-year depreciation on that cost difference and any network maintenance with aerial and really the input that we get from um, nationwide providers that have been doing this and engineers is at the end when you're depreciating over 20 years, it's kind of almost a wash between Mm. the two, between aerial and buried as far as, well, yep, we paid more for maintenance because of aerial and then buried, you pay more up front. So do you want to pay more up front or do you want to pay more in the long run? And then at the end, those are kind of neck and neck. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. So then it is important for a municipality to understand what its values are and the process, but it's not important to convince somebody else that it's better to have aerial versus buried. I mean, what works for one municipality is not going to work for another. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of those weeds areas. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you you are going to get those answers during your RFP and your committee is going to sit down and, you know, they're going to debate that. And if they want input from the board, you know, you're going to look at those cost differences and just determine, well, you know, do we want to put more in upfront now or do we want to put more in later? And if, you know, the uh, agreement with your ISP is that they take care of all the maintenance with Ariel, then you have to work through all of that with your um, final agreements and iron all of that out. So, no, it's not worth trying to debate and argue and, and swing anyone either way. Really, you can get caught up in that debate constantly and easily and really lose momentum and time. Yes. Okay. So now when, uh, back when there was not as much money floating around as there is now, you always got the sense that they were going to spread it out so that it was equitable, for instance, across the state of Wisconsin, like the, when, when the state grants were the only thing that you could get. Now it seems like there's a lot more money. And so, you know, as many applications as they may receive for grants that 
perhaps those will be fulfilled. But how realistic is that? Could every one of the municipalities up here get a grant? Well, we hope so. Okay. So that is what everyone is planning on. That is the plan. And there are a lot of factors that can feed into that. One being doing the work and being prepared. Mm -hmm. So the new committees that have formed recently and the outreach with some of those municipalities, it it does seem like an overwhelming and very daunting task. But I keep telling everyone, it's the winter. Do your homework. Mm. And by the time we get into spring and the federal funding has a clearer focus on being released because of FCC maps that will be published, which is why they're holding back on some of that really big federal funding, Mm. um, you'll have the work done. You know, you don't have to make it last a year or two years. You can work through this you know, pretty effectively throughout the winter because of the work that's been done by some of the other committees and all of that information that's being shared if you stay out of the weeds. Okay. So, I mean, that kind of sounds like it is the case that the the system is in place for you to be be able to say, okay, this is, we can do this. I mean, we're we're just going to march forward with step one, step two, step three, step four, and and get it all the way to when the ISP is selected. And then that company is the one that's going to lead all of those techie things and what it is that they're going to do. Yeah, you're going to work all that partnership, all the details. You know, they have grant writers on staff and there's still work that has to be done with the municipality and the board to provide information for those grants and everything. But there's a lot of work that the county is doing also that's helping alleviate some of that work off of the committees. The WISER survey is one of those things that I know I'm sure you're going to touch upon. Yes, that was my next thing. So great transition, Jess. You've done this before, I can tell. So what is the WISER survey? And let's talk about that. So the WISER survey is a survey that was actually Released and is the Wisconsin Public Service Commission's broadband survey. So we are, first of all, I have to say, we are really, really fortunate in Wisconsin. We have an amazing broadband office in the state of Wisconsin that has been established for nine years now. So they already have a really great history and track record. And this work is a little bit easier for them than it is for some states. Some states are really just establishing their offices right now and have been in the past year or are working on it now. Mm. So they have a lot of work ahead of them to, you know, write their letter of intent to NTIA and outline what their office is going to be, how many people it's going to be, what they're going to do and write that plan. We have been doing this for nine years. So that was a little bit easier for our office to do. So and we're well positioned we're very to get well. more of that money. We're very well positioned okay. for that, as well as putting that survey in place that then can be utilized for the state to determine and get feedback on really how unserved are we as a state. Mm-hmm. So part of the work that our committee sat down and knew that we needed to tackle was having a survey in place for these municipal committees because that is not easy Mm. to do. And then you don't always have someone on a committee that has maybe the subject matter expertise to do surveys. So we had some decisions to make. Are we going to write our own survey? We went through some drafts of that. And then in my constant outreach and conversations with the Public Service Commission. They had launched the Wiser survey this spring in May without really marketing it, Mm. which they're working on right now because there was some back-end work that they were doing. So it was on the website. It was there. I didn't know it existed. And having conversations with the various different people throughout the staff, but Coulter Sakura is their mapping and GIS director there. And I had reached out to him and he pointed me to it and said, well, we have this Hmm. survey here at the Wisconsin Broadband Office. And really, that really makes it even easier because there's another layer of reporting then. We are Yes, we are providing feedback and information that will benefit our municipalities, but ultimately it's going to benefit the state Hmm. and how we report as a state because our funding that will be coming for that bead money is 
going to be based on how unserved we are okay, as, a state, as a state. As a state. So yes, it's important for me, your municipality and then for all of Door County, but really if it's better for the state, then the state is going to get more money, and so more money will be available to grant to the municipalities. Absolutely. Wisconsin stands to receive anywhere from $800 million to a $1 billion of that federal funding. But, you know, the more we prove and show our data and our location data and how unserved we are, or maybe that we have more locations that have never been reported on because of new construction and builds that have been happening. There's a couple layers here of, you know, how that can happen. So the more accurate the measure is of information that we have as a state, the more we can prove our need. So how are we doing so far on that survey? As a county, we're doing amazing. We're actually the first county that has partnered with the Wisconsin Broadband Office really? to utilize it. So we're actually the model for the Interesting. state. It was a great decision. It took the lift off of our committee. It took the lift off of the municipal committees, and it's going to benefit the state. So that was an easy decision for us to make. Are there any other broadband coordinators in the state of Wisconsin? Well, Brown County has what is, he's not a coordinator, he's their broadband like BCAN director. So he kind of handles a lot of things and he's amazing. His name is August Neverman and he is a, a fountain of knowledge and has been really helpful kind of leading at a state level with okay. a lot of mapping and information sharing. So I believe Dane County was considering hiring a coordinator, but as far as I know right now, I'm the only one in the state. Wow, that's pretty impressive. So then you're able to really show how important a position like this is when you're gathering all of these resources that we never would have known about and, you know, making the most efficient use of what has already been created with the sharing of information. Yeah, I think we definitely have a leg up in against other areas in the state, and we're a couple steps ahead. Okay. So what is the survey showing so far? I know that last time I checked in with you, you gave me an update on some of the numbers. How are we doing in terms of people participating in that survey? Well, from my conversation yesterday with Coulter Sakura at the Public Service Commission, we had over 2,000 responses. A lot of that is largely because of the massive outreach that I have done on my own. And then also that all those municipal committees had made the decision to mail it out. Oh, excellent. So I got mine in the <laughs> mail from Sebastopol Did you take it? just a couple days ago. Okay. Yeah. Well, I had actually taken it back when I spoke with you when you had told me that because I have satellite, I'm considered unserved. Yes. So I was like, well, I should probably take this. So yes. So far to date, the municipalities that have mailed it out are Jacksonport, Neswapi, Claybanks, and Sevastopol. Okay. And I know there are discussions with some of those other municipalities considering it, and I know they're getting input from the ones that did mail it out on kind of what their approach was and, and how they handled that, just to get a better idea with it. That is actually, at this point, I've done some updates to that municipal guidebook, and that was written prior to us doing that partnership with the Public Service Commission. So the first step that I have for every committee is get the Wiser survey out. Okay, and it was very helpful. I mean, I know more about it than maybe the average resident, only because I've been covering it, but when I read the piece that the town of Sevastopol sent out, it was really informative and, you know, it told me exactly why I needed to take the survey. And, you know, had I not done so or known anything about it, then I would have done that just to be curious about what even, you know, what my speeds were. Yeah, I, they did a great job explaining it. And a bunch of those other committees have also kind of had their own version of that. I think that, you know, there's always the discussions about survey fatigue, right? Yeah. And we all know that we need 
better broadband in Door County, and there have been a lot of surveys, but every survey that has been done has been for something different. A lot of those surveys that were done during the engineering analysis were really to determine what providers were in place Mm. and kind of get an idea and a tone on feelings and and a nice snapshot of what isn't really in place is what I like to say. So that was used for that. Okay. But the Im- the impact from that isn't as large as the impact for this because it's such a small snapshot for the amount of people that answered it. You know, the engineers will say, we had this great response. It's better than we've seen in most areas. But if your municipality needs to write a grant and have support documentation, it's too small of a snapshot for them to utilize and use as support documentation for it. So really, that is one of the the best pieces of this is when you're answering that survey and you're showing and you're proving how unserved we are and what you do or that you do not have any service in place at your location, that data that we're getting from the Public Service Commission back now is being utilized as support documentation for all that grant writing in any municipality. Then that is another incentive that they're going to be able to see in the town of Sevastopol, for instance, if they can get 90% of the people to respond to that, then they're going to have a way better chance of getting grant dollars because really they're going to see exactly how unserved most of that town is. Yeah, you're going to give them such a great view of what your municipality does not have in place. And you're also really showing how much public support is there for these projects to happen when you're getting that high response rate. Uh. Because that is a key in a lot of these grants being funded, especially state grants. And once federal funds are filtered to the state and they are reviewing those applications, they want to see public support for this. They need to see municipal support and they need to see public support. They want to know that these dollars are wanted and needed in the area and they will be utilized before they fund them. So they want to see a public-private partnership in place. They want to see this investment is being covered not just from the ISP but also in the municipality because there is a need in that area and they want it. Okay. Well, you've done a really good job of giving us an overview of what you do and where we are as a county. And I think what we're definitely going to have to do is touch base with you on a pretty regular basis because things have started to move, but they're not moving yet. We're all still pretty much at the same stage. I mean, they're moving in terms of being able to get prepared. The build outs are when, you know, we're really going to see, you know, a lot, it's visible, you know, then you can see that things are happening. So we're doing all of the prep work right now, which is not the glamorous stuff. It's not the high visibility stuff, but it's being done. And you've given a really great overview of that, Jess. So I appreciate you sitting down to talk with us today. Is there anything else that we didn't cover that you think that listeners should, should know about what's happening right now? Uh, the only thing that I I would cover right now, which is part of that techie piece that I really like, is that some of the work that we're doing at a county level and that I'm doing with our current GIS department is that we are working with the Public Service Commission as a layer to challenge the current FCC coverage maps. Oh, good. So, Because those say that we all have great internet They do. Even the Public Service Commission ones do, but because it's provider-reported data Mm -hmm. that has always been manipulated. So there is a current challenge process that is happening at a federal level. There is new data that the providers had to report where they used to report it on census block, and now they have to do location data Mm. to build what's called this new fabric of coverage maps. So we reached out and had a conversation with the Public Service Commission because we're utilizing the WISER survey. And us in turn with Brown County and another county will be working in a partnership with the Public Service Commission to challenge the FCC coverage maps. Excellent. So we're doing um, this first level challenge process that we will be pushing 
against anything that we can find locally. And we're really fortunate. We have a really fantastic land use and GIS department, Mm. and they do a really good job at ensuring that all of our location data is is mapped and geolocated really well. Mm-hmm. So we will be challenging that against any maybe new data that has not been um, located in the past two to three years with new construction. Okay. So we're going to be looking at that. We're going to give uh, the PSE any information that we find on new builds and new homes to ensure that those are accounted for under those new FCC maps because we know those new builds aren't going to have okay. service in place. So that's kind of just some fun techie stuff that we're doing and we'll have to have finished by October 15th. I use the county maps on a regular basis. They They're have, fun. Yeah, they are a lot of fun and they have so many layers. So will this be another one of the layers this, eventually? This will be a little bit different. I know that we'll be changing our um, county software over this year to a different system, to an ArcGIS system that is more updated. It won't be one of the layers on there probably, but there is some information. I will have a public forward-facing map with our Public Service Commission WISER survey data that will be up on the uh, FiberNet website probably pretty soon. And what is a public forward-facing map? So it's going to be... Notice how these terms just roll off her tongue (laughs) as if she's speaking a different language almost. But yes, what is that? So we have a data use agreement in place with the Public Service Commission on all that WISER survey data that we have. And what I have asked our GIS department to do is create a county map of those responses and then a key of them. And essentially do no service in place or what your speeds were reported. So we will have a link for that. I'm hoping that we'll get it on there in the next week or so that GIS has been working on so that anyone can go on there, you can look at it, and you can see all those responses, so to speak. It is what I refer to as a cartoon map because we have to protect location privacy. So it's going to be a very generalized map of the county and kind of show in a municipal boundaries how many people have responded and then those colored dots will correlate with the key. So you'll be able to see how many people responded unless you want to sit and zoom in and count all those little dots. There's not going to be a, a a head count for each municipality, but you'll be able to start seeing that map populate. Okay. And we will have data sharing from the Public Service Commission at a minimum once or twice a month. So it will get updated and refreshed as more people respond. So if a person doesn't respond, then they're not going to be a dot represented on that right. map. So I, as a neighbor, can go on and see hey, these neighbors didn't respond to this survey. Can I see that level of data? No, you can't because. Okay. Um, because we have to protect sure. your location data, you're not going to be able to see that. And address by address. No, But not you'll be at able all. to see area. Like, for instance, if you live on this road, then you're going to see... It's not going to have satellite imagery on it because oh. then it's too easy to locate yes. who has and hasn't responded, which is what we need to protect. So it's just going to be very generalized, and you'll be able to see, like Jacksonport, for instance, I know that they've had over 300 responses. Really? Yes. Wow. So you'll be able to see like those dots correlating and populating onto that map. You're not going to be able to see roadways. It's just going to have municipal boundaries on it so you can generally see and it can be utilized by the municipalities for grant support as well. That's an excellent idea to know which municipalities have received what types of responses so far. So I think I'm going to touch base with you after this podcast even so that we can get something on that. But do you know off the top of your head, like which ones are responding in higher numbers? Yeah, definitely the municipalities that have mailed that wiser survey out. And we can see also the, you know, response from the marketing that we pushed out those two weeks through the Peninsula Pulse and all of the outreach that I've had, like the tourism zone was very helpful in sending it out, especially to all of those people that have um, short-term rentals in the area and making sure that they are also getting a response because this isn't just for 
people that are your own residents. Mm-hmm. It, we want everyone to respond. It doesn't matter if you own your home or if you rent your home. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, I get responses saying, this is just a cottage. Well, you're a property owner is really what it comes down to. And even if you have a business in the area, whether it is a business you own or a business you rent, we just want to try to get everything accounted for is what it comes down to is the important part. So we we do see higher responses more on shoreline areas at this point still. Still, okay. And we still need a lot more inland response and a lot more business response from business owners, which would be really good. And then the areas that have mailed it out. But there are areas that haven't that I see decent responses. And I think it's just all of that additional layers. Destination Door County has been helpful in this, that they have it on their website and they've been talking about it. League of Women Voters pushed it out. Uh, A lot of not-for-profits that I reached out to helped push it out. So we're going to try to revisit more in the spring also because that federal funding, the, the very large funding, won't be released until next year sometime. So we have some time to get some of those responses. The municipalities that did mail it out, they really did a push on that because they're the ones that are applying for grants right now. Right. And so that's, it's important to note that the survey doesn't expire. However, these municipalities are actively applying for grants. They need that information now. So to gain access to this survey to anybody who is listening, who has not seen it anywhere, what is the website? You can access it. The easiest way to access it is through the fibernetdoorcounty.org website. And it's right on the front splash page. There's a hyperlink right there on the front and on the sidebar because... I want it to be everywhere. If you want to do digging, you definitely can find it on the Public Service Commission website as well, but that is not a short enough website. (laughs) So it's fibernetdoracounty.org? Correct. Fibernetdoracounty.org. So if you do something today... If you don't do anything else today, take the survey. (laughs) Yeah, and the survey you only need to take once, but there is a speed test on there, and you can take that speed test every day, three times a day if you want. The more speed test data that goes into the state, the better. It's going to show the instability on those networks, Mm. and it's going to show the limitations at different times of the day. So that's an additional layer of proving why the fiber is needed in place. Or at different times of the year. So if you've taken it at the height of the tourist season, then take it in the dead of winter, which we all know is coming. So, all right. Well, Jess, thanks so much for taking all this time to explain what it is that's happening. It sounds like a lot of exciting things. It is. And you are listening to the Dora County Pulse podcast. My name is Deb Fitzgerald. Gerald, and until next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.